Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 44, The Righteous Need Not Fear. Happy New Year, Sister Scriptorians. Happy New Beginnings. I envision this year to be a year of new beginnings for each one of us and for Sister Scriptorians. I envision this to be a year that we become more acquainted with one another as we grow in strength, in numbers, in testimony, in firm minds, and foundations centered in Jesus Christ. And after 10 months and 43 episodes, we now begin episode 44 with the last chapter of 1st Nephi. Have you ever taken so long just to study the first book of Nephi? Probably not. But in doing so, I trust that you have come to love Nephi, to feel his afflictions, and to observe and learn how he rises above them, always with his faith firmly planted in Jesus Christ. I love him. And I love his commitment to his God, his people, and to you and I. In 1 Nephi chapter 6, he clearly and vulnerably names his intentions to us. For the fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and be saved. Do we value and appreciate his devotion to us? let alone his Lord? Do we value the depth of understanding he developed and the process that it took in order for him to develop such understanding? Do we foolishly sometimes take for granted the degree of personal affliction and experience that such knowledge required him to wade through in order to be trusted, not only as a testifier, but as a witness? And then the struggle of putting it all into practice because I promise you, Nephi did not want to be seen as a hypocrite. He desired to be a disciple of his Lord. Therefore, he strived to have his soul match his exemplar as much as he possibly could while still in mortality. And finally, but not lastly, because we could go on and on, But finally, the energy he must have expended in the searching his heart for the right words for a spiritual language that doesn't translate well into mortal words. The energy required to view one's circumstance not only in the present, but to link it to the past and then to also link it to the future thousands of years away from your current day let alone the engraving into metal plates of all the doctrine that the small plates of Nephi possess. Faith like Nephi's takes a tremendous amount of energy. Even if it had become a sure knowledge, maintaining hope and maintaining charity took a tremendous amount of energy. So he didn't trifle with unimportant things. That which he included were the things that were pleasing unto God, even acknowledging that they are not the things that are pleasing to the world. 
which explains the dividing power that the Book of Mormon truly has. It is the great separator, the elevator of those who study it, and the glue that our hearts require to be close to our Lord, especially in these latter days. In the last chapter of 1 Nephi, chapter 22, Nephi's brethren ask him about the words of Isaiah that he had just taught them from the brass plates. They wanted to know whether the words of Isaiah were intended to be understood as pertaining to spiritual matters or pertaining to temporal matters. And isn't that what we do? We think for some reason that there is a separation between our spiritual lives and our everyday lives. But there is truth in the saying that we are spiritual beings having a mortal experience. There, there is no separation. And Nephi confirms this, that the words of Isaiah are both temporal and spiritual. He generously gives his brethren a deeper understanding of the words of Isaiah. And much of what he says we discussed in episodes 42 and 43. But let's review what Nephi teaches his brethren. First, the house of Israel will be scattered sooner or later upon all the face of the earth and among all the nations. In their scattering, they will also be confounded or confused or mixed up. Now, this is Carrie thinking out loud here, but we always jump to the conclusion that confounding is a punishment. But I wonder if this is always the definition of the Lord's. Perhaps maybe it is evidence of his mercy. Maybe he's doing it for their safety. Just like with the Tower of Babel, the confounding of their languages was a consequence of their choices. Therefore, confounding their language gave them kind of a mix-up just enough to prevent them from further polluting sacred truths and going down the road of iniquity too far. But confounding them gave them time and space and mercy to not only themselves but to their future generations. It allowed God to forgive his children for they knew not what they did. I, I don't know, just, just a thought to keep in mind. Anyways, those scattered will eventually harden their hearts against the Lord. But the mercy of the Lord, the God who knows the end from the beginning, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is the creator and who intimately knows his creations and will know our weakness and how we will stumble. He already had a plan to gather us up unto him. The Book of Mormon is the creator's plan. He's laying it out for us. Thousands of years ago, and we, you and I, Sister Scriptorians, are fortunate enough to know of it and to recognize we are a part of it during the wrapping up, during the latter days, during the gathering. For Nephi taught that Isaiah prophesied that the house of Israel will be nursed by the Gentiles. The Lord will lift the Gentiles, giving unto them his power and he will set them as a standard. And these blessings, which some confuse and become prideful and arrogant over, are actually intended for us to serve the house of Israel by carrying them in our arms and upon our shoulders. Nephi explains that these things are temporal. They are part of our covenants and the Lord's covenants with the house of Israel. 
and the timing is so interesting to me. The Lord laid it out for Isaiah. And it is important for us to recognize one could not have happened without the prior one occurring first. After the scattering and confounding of Israel, the Lord will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles upon the promised land. We know this to be America. And unfortunately, a painful part of American history is captured here in verse 7, when Nephi says, And by them, meaning the Gentiles of this mighty nation, shall our seed be scattered. And after the scattering of the seed of Lehi, the Lord God will do a marvelous work among the Gentiles. And remember, marvelous work is code for the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Book of Mormon. And though I personally feel sadness that the seed of Nephi and his brethren had to be scattered, it does bring rejoicing to my heart that Nephi testifies that this marvelous work will be of great worth unto his seed. It is the nourishing and the caring by the Gentiles that Isaiah refers to. This marvelous work will also be of worth to the Gentiles and to all of the house of Israel. This work, the Book of Mormon, will make known the covenants of the Father of Heaven unto Abraham. It is this work that will make it possible for him to fulfill his promise that, quote, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed, end quote. Sister Scriptorians, when you read verse 9, I hope you feel excitement stir within you that over 2,500 years ago, a prophet named Nephi explained prophecies of a prophet even before his time that spoke about you, not only about your conversion in finding worth in the Book of Mormon and the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also the mission your covenants put you under to help the children of God, the kindred of Abraham, to know that they are blessed and remembered. What has God blessed you with to fulfill this calling? What has your patriarchal blessing revealed to you about your strengths, your gifts, your inclinations, which are to be used in the service of your God? And Nephi reminds us that none of this can take place without the Lord bearing his arm in the eyes of the nations This is a reminder to us that it is the power of the upholder of all things that moves his work forward, that makes everything possible. It is his arm, his power, that brings his covenants to the house of Israel. It is he that will bring his children out of captivity. It is he that will gather them together to the lands of their inheritance. And now I know this can get complicated and that this is only one example, but truly the physical gathering of individuals to Jerusalem these past 40 years is miraculous in and of itself. And it is prophecy being fulfilled temporally. And it is also by his power that the house of Israel will be brought up out of obscurity and darkness And then they will know that the Lord is their Savior, their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. You missionaries of past and present know how amazing 
this experience truly is to watch, to be a part of. The sudden realization in your investigator's eyes, the visual softening of your fellow man's hearts, their desire to abandon their vices and to rely on their Redeemer. It is so beautiful and inspiring even humbling, reminding each one of us to continually become as a little child and come unto him even further. Now, in episode 28, we spoke a lot about the great and abominable church and actually covered verses 13 to 23 in this chapter. But a quick reminder, the great and abominable church will be defeated. And how? Primarily by themselves. They'll turn on one another. Their wicked efforts will defeat themselves. What right now appears to us to be so powerful, so daunting, so encompassing in all of our institutions and our culture will fall. It will turn upon itself. And anything that does not align itself with the doctrines and principles of Jesus Christ, which fight against Zion, will fall into the very pit that they dug to ensnare us. All that fight against Zion will be destroyed and great shall be its fall. Remember, the great and spacious building had no foundation. The great and abominable church has no foundation. I imagine that these scenes will be messy, horrific most likely. You most likely just finished reading the Book of Mormon and remember the destruction of the Nephite civilization. It was not a comfortable experience, even for the righteous Mormon Emeroni. And I imagine to witness these events in the latter days will try the faith of the righteous. Now, Nephi says something which is very curious to me. He said that the time speedily comes when Satan will have no power over the hearts of men. He surely understood the Lord's timing. Another alignment that Nephi has obtained that I am striving to catch hold of. My mortal watch gets a bit impatient with the Lord's timeline and I'm working on it. But it is relieving to know that this will come whether or not I fully understand the word speedily, but to imagine the adversary having no power over our hearts, no power over our children's hearts anymore, brings a glimpse of peace that our personal righteousness will bring to us. And we can receive glimpses of this even now as we draw closer and closer to our Savior Jesus Christ. Which brings me to a Latter-day movement to prepare us in such a journey. Please, sister scriptorians, take advantage of the Lord's plan to gather his children even closer to him by participating fully in the Come Follow Me for Individuals and Families program that begins today. So get your books out and get ready to be a part of the preparation that our Savior is giving us. I believe that this is just a way in which prophecy, these prophecies here in this chapter are being fulfilled today, December 31st, 2018. Twice Nephi explains 
the righteous need not fear. And I am not naive to believe that we won't be a witness to difficult times or grieve over the wickedness of our fellow men or even receive some scorch burns from the fiery darts of the adversary. But ultimately, because of our testimonies in Jesus Christ and our use of his atonement, because of his grace and his mercy, the righteous need not fear. The Lord will not suffer the wicked to destroy us. They can't. They may make mortality really difficult. But ultimately, we will return to our Father if we just stay the course and endure. Remember, it's the long game vision that Father always has for us. Remember that. Through the Lord's power, we will be preserved. And though the wicked are experiencing destruction by fire, the righteous will be saved, Nephi says, even if it so be as by fire. And I'm not sure if this is a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing, but I imagine that the power of the Holy Ghost, fire, the very thing that our prophet is begging us to become acquainted with and gain confidence in receiving personal revelation, will also be a vehicle of our protection. The church, Sister Scriptorians, is changing its culture. Can you tell? It's pulling back to give us personal time to ask, seek, and knock for ourselves. To develop discipleship to the point in which there is such a physical change within us that Satan will not have power over our hearts. Nephi reminds his brethren that Moses prophesied that a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. All those who will not hear the prophet shall be cut off from among the people. Nephi testified that this prophet that Moses spoke of was Jesus Christ. And this year, as we have an opportunity to study the New Testament as a church, as a family, as individuals, and strive to make it an intimate, soul-changing experience, May we make it our personal mission on how we can lean on our Savior, use His atonement, to trust Him, to believe Him, becoming in the process an unwavering disciple of Him. The righteous need not fear, because the Lord promises that we will not be confounded. We won't be mixed up and confused. Instead, during all of this chaos, Surrounding us, we will be blessed with clarity and confidence. Now Nephi goes on to clarify who should fear. (laughs) And he says, all churches built up to get gain. All those built up to get power over the flesh. All those built up to become popular in the eyes of the world. Those who seek the lusts of the flesh and the things of this world. Those who do all manner of iniquity. And all those who belong to the kingdom of the devil. I'm grateful for this verse, verse 23, that gives me a chance to look at it, to look at this list and question my soul, to look inside the dark crevices of my heart and see if there is any spotting of the world in there, any tainting that I need to clean out and scrub, any ties that draw me towards the great and spacious building. For Nephi says, that the time will speedily come when those who I just described will be consumed as a stubble. 
But he also says the time speedily comes when the righteous will be led as calves to the stall. And that is an interesting illustration. We often talk about sheep, but Nephi says calves to the stall. And let's think about that. Calves in a stall are pampered, aren't they? The stall protects them from the elements and from other threats. It's cleaned out by others. And others bring the calves food and drink, and they groom them. The stall provides a place to rest with clean straw and warmth. A place to be safe from our worries. In fact, really what worries do calves in a stall have? On the range, however, this is not the case. Calves can wander away. They are exposed to the beating of the sun and the harsh winds and the pelting rain. There can be seasons of plenty and then there can be seasons of dry land. Predators linger so calves must be on guard and they aren't without worry. When Satan is bound by our personal righteousness, and imagine that, our personal righteousness being the bands that bind him down, there will come a day when we will be calves in the stall. The Lord will gather us. He will number us. And we will know him. We will all be a part of one fold. No more silly or hurtful or destructive divisions among us. And our shepherd will be Jesus Christ. And he will feed us. And in him we will find pasture. A place to retire. A place of safety. And a place of plenty. For animals of prey, which we can often feel like in this wicked world, that is celestial. Nephi loved the words of Isaiah, and he used them to show his brethren and us that we don't need to suppose that it was just his or his father's teachings, their foolish imaginations, if you will. Isaiah is also a witness that if we are obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, you, me, we will be saved at the last day. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Instead, purify your heart in Christ. Believe him. The righteous need not fear. Live those words with boldness in him who spoke them. Sister Scriptorians, these are exciting times. Yes, it may not always be pleasant, but the Book of Mormon is your promise that the Lord is bringing us unto him for safety. I hope you've enjoyed the months that we have spent together, studying and implanting in our hearts the words and teachings of Jesus Christ through his son Nephi. Will you let me know? I would love to hear from you. If you haven't had an opportunity yet to rate this podcast, I understand. Do you know it took me two years to rate my favorite podcast? I didn't know how easy it was. But I would appreciate it if you could take time to give Sister Scriptorians a rating on iTunes. And a review would be absolutely delightful. I hope that you are learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Have a good day.